0: Hello LK Pat
1: Michael What's going on?
0: Oh Just happy to be here for our first podcast
1: Yeah Yeah I just started one myself It's a pretty cool little program
0: Yeah It could um, be a good way for everyone to get the word out there They've got that new Facebook thing Seems to be taken off the Facebook Live
1: Yeah yeah, I'm seeing a lot more people popping up every now and then,
0: but usually it's so have-
1: more of them doing their personal things, so.
0: Yeah, how long have you been doing this for?
1: Uh, I've been doing the blog Legally Kidnapped since 2007, so we're at like over 11 years now, mm-hmm. And um, but, you know, I've been fighting CPS since 1996, so, wow. you know, it's just I got
0: public after I got really sick of it. Well, what you're doing now is leaves everyone else behind. I'm
1: just doing my thing. Yeah, just started my own little podcast. I'm going to, you know, kind of bring back the LK report on a daily basis, I think, Um not with, you know, a video. It, th- this makes it a lot easier doing it as a podcast. So, you know, hopefully that'll help get the word out.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, it should do. Hopefully we've got Siobhan joining us, but she just sent me a message saying that um it wasn't working for her. I'll just... her again. Yeah. Siobhan Ferris, she's – um, her little daughter died in foster care. Like, they wrongfully took the daughter, admitted it, and gave her a week to get the kid back. And, um, and killed the kid meanwhile. Like, there's, not, there's no, no happy stories in this situation. Even when you get the kids back, they're damaged. Yeah, that's what happened with my stepson.
1: He was damaged, you know, when I met him for the first time. He was 14 years old and they had him on uh, seven different pills a day
0: living in a group home. Yeah, those group homes are just shocking what happens in them.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's pretty scary.
0: And, um, and yeah, the the worst stories are the ones where the kids die, and you must see that many with what you do every day. You're sending out new emails with kids that have died.
1: Either kids that have died or kids that have been molested, and that's what happened with my stepson is he was molested in two different foster homes. Um, one was by an um, older kid in the care, you know, who was also in foster care. And the second time, it was by an adult. So um, we don't know what happened with the adult. We don't even know the person's name or anything. We don't have a right to any of that information. But, you know, it's still, you know, the kid lived, but, you know, he's just an empty shell of a person, and it's just really sad. Well, we've
0: got Siobhan here. How are you, Siobhan?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good, and passable as well. How are you?
2: Good. Best I can be, I so guess. So
0: we were, we were interested in hearing your story tonight, Siobhan. If you wanted to share it with us. Okay your, yeah, your daughter's currently um, currently in the mall because of um CPS, isn't she?
2: Yeah, I've been dealing with CPS for the last five years. They, um, Michigan Sheboygan, Michigan took my kids and I had done everything that they asked me to do. They dangled my kids over my head the whole two years I fought for them. Um, I completed everything by the time my termination hearing came up and they still terminated my rights. And I found out at my termination hearing a whole bunch of conflict of interest. The foster mom that had my two older boys was related to the judge. The judge bought my oldest son a violin. And it was around the same time that he had Wrote a letter to the judge telling him he didn't want to see me anymore. I never once hurt my kids. and the only one that fought for my kids. And then uh, I had Alyssa. And moved to Washington when I was seven months pregnant. And had a midwife. And um, little did I know that she had called CPS on me. After my very first appointment I had with her, um, she was trying to pry into my what, where my kids were in Michigan, and that was really none of her information, so I didn't really have to tell her, so I didn't. Um, After I left, she apparently called CPS on me, and I found out at my first shelter care hearing, when I was going through my attorney's papers that she gave me because I represented myself. And before she was at that hearing, she was supposed to be there for support, as I thought she was. I started going through the court papers, and just before I got to the paper that tells you who called it in, they didn't black out every name, her name in all these papers. So before I seen them, she told me that she had something to tell me, and I said okay. And she told me that she was the one that had called CPS on me. And she was there because she wanted to take Alyssa. And then I had found out after she had gotten Alyssa that she had tried to adopt a baby before I, before I had my first appointment with her. And the mother changed her mind. And um, she had all kinds of posts on her Facebook that she was trying to adopt a baby. She, at first, when she had Alyssa, she didn't want to get close to her. And I have it all in messages on Facebook. And I told her that I didn't want her to neglect my daughter, not give her any attention because she needs that affection from somebody because I only got to see her three days a week for two hours. And I told her, you need to give her some kind of affection. So she knows that she's loved. And I have a feeling that she got attached to my daughter um we started arguing about things that I wanted for Alyssa that I still had the right to do. And I was sending her clothes. I was sending her toys and pacifiers, and it was all coming back to me at my visits. Um she was writing she wrote me a letter, told me to stop sending her clothes that she had enough. And she didn't want me to send for pacifier because she didn't take it for her anyways. And um, one of my visits, she showed up with a rash on her bottom that was inflamed, like fire red inflamed. And um, I complained about it. And I had the caseworker that was doing my visitation seen it. And she said it was neglect on the midwife's part. But they didn't do anything that time. And then I seen her four Three weeks after she took her on um, Christmas vacation and she still had the rash on her butt, but this time it had open sores and it was oozing out clear fluid and um, she would cry because it hurt her so bad. Um, The first time I seen the rash, I asked Tara Tara to use cornstarch on her bottom. And she claimed that she had used it and it made it worse. And I have everybody in the department at DSHS all say that cornstarch would not make it worse, that it would heal it up because it was soak up the moisture. And she kept saying that it made it worse. And then when I seen it the second time, she claimed that she took her to the doctors and the doctor said that she had a yeast infection. And I have went through so many pictures of yeast infections. And I told them that it's not a yeast infection. I had a daughter that had a yeast infection. And that is no yeast infection. And she claimed that she had a cream that was supposed to go on her twice a day. It was Nystatin cream. And I knew that wasn't right because I've used Nystatin cream. And it goes on after every diaper change. And I never seen any cream in her diaper bag when she'd come to her visits. And the second time I seen the rash, I requested them take me to the emergency room because I wanted her looked at right then and there. And they denied me. They would not let me take her. They would not. I had filed a motion before she went on Christmas vacation because I left my ex-husband and went to a confidential DV shelter that had cameras everywhere and it was staffed 24-7 with people and advocates and a children child advocate and they still denied me. They denied me. If they hadn't denied me, she'd still be here. And then I finally had a judge that was on my side. She pulled the department and my attorney into her office. and told them that they needed to get their crap together and come up with an agreeable dependency case because Alyssa needed to be with me. I didn't deserve not to have her. And then Wednesday, that happened Monday, and then Wednesday I had the meeting with the department and they were all in agreement on me doing safe care and traumatic counseling for the DV. And they were going to help me with my car. And they were going to help me with my housing. And then the department, their attorney wanted to um, have my car looked at from top to bottom to make sure that my ex-husband didn't cut anything, didn't put no tracking stuff on it. And then Thursday, I got news. I was supposed to be out Friday out of the shelter and I had nowhere to go. And Thursday, I got news that they were going to gave me 20 more days in the shelter and the lady from my church was going to help me get into housing in less than 20 days and i was happy i was so excited because my attorney told me she was looking at me having Alyssa in less than a month and then friday morning i was talking to my caseworker in text message and she was supposed to come up and do my car get it plated do my license so I could start driving. And uh, she couldn't come up because I didn't have the title. And she told me that she had talked to the midwife. And I couldn't come down for a visit that weekend because she was too sick. She didn't state if it was her that was too sick or if it was Alyssa that was too sick. And I had asked about the rash on her bottom, if, how it was doing. And my caseworker said that she had forgotten to ask. This was between um, eight and nine in the morning. Uh, I got the first call from CPS about Alyssa at uh, four o'clock and they FaceTimed me and told me that my daughter was gone. They, uh, I answered the phone and my caseworker popped her head in the video and told me that by law, she had to inform me that Linda Townsend was on the line. And, then I said, okay, and Linda popped her head in. this was the foster care supervisor. And she said, Siobhan, um, there's been a tragedy and I didn't know, I wasn't comprehending the word tragedy. I, I was just thinking something happened with her bottom and, uh. I I said, "What do you mean, tragedy?" And uh, um, uh, Alyssa had Alyssa had passed away. Uh, I was at I was at a gas station in the parking lot when I got this phone call. They, I found out Alyssa's time of death was four a.m. And I was on the phone with my case worker at eight, and nine in the morning, and my daughter was already gone. <sighs> Emergency services were called until eleven fifty one. And the, and the place that they found her in is just it, it they they had they put it in their system before her exam was already done even done. It's not even done yet. They put in their computers that she had died from SIDS already. The department and the same department, they don't know. There's people in that department that didn't even know my daughter had died. They still did my car. And at my second visit, when I seen the rash, I had another caseworker that seen the rash and said it was neglect. The same caseworker came up to do my car with me and I asked her to be honest with me, and asked her if it made it in the report that I had two caseworkers say it was neglect on the midwife and she started tearing up and she said no, it never made it in the report.
1: Wow.
2: She had just found out that my daughter had died the week before she came to do my car. And that had already been almost a month after my daughter had died. It hasn't even been on the news. Nobody knows about her. It's like everything is being pushed under the rug.
0: And and...
2: they tried to take her. The first time they tried to take her, they tried to take her without papers they had no papers and the cops were actually on my side they didn't allow them to take her i had agreed to take her into the emergency room after sitting outside in the middle of july for 4 hours i agreed to take her to the emergency room and have her checked out because they were saying that she hadn't had a well baby checkup but my midwife had a month had was able to take care of her for a month after she was born. She had a license to do it. And they said that wasn't enough. So I agreed to take her into the emergency room. We sat there for another four hours. She was okay. She was healthy. She was great weight. They said I was doing good nursing her. And they were putting it in the report. And I had to call the sheriff the next morning and let him know that I went. I had to call the caseworker that was there and let her know that I went. And I did, and she was supposed to come out to the house and do purple crying and safe care, and I said that was fine. And a uh, few hours later, they showed up again—two new, two new caseworkers and three different detectives—to take Alyssa, and they had a court order, and I had to listen to them. I had to undress her in the back of a cop car because they wanted to see if there was any marks on her since the last time they've seen her since I took her into the hospital. So I did, and she didn't have nothing on her. Even the cops in Des Moines, Washington, were on my side. They said that she was safe, that she was healthy. The house was fine. They see no reason to take Alyssa, and they kept. I had three people, two cops and a detective, or... A cop and a detective and the judge tell me that Michigan is Michigan. This is Washington. It's different. And it wasn't different. It was not different. They didn't protect my daughter enough. I complained to them. She would come to my house and smell like cat piss. And I complained about it because I had to give her baths every time she came to my house. I had to wash her seat. Twice a week, with her diaper big, that was full of milk. She put her on. She was breast. She was on breast milk, and she took her off of breast milk and put her on formula without even easing it into her body and into her belly. She, I requested it. If, I said, if you have to do this to go on this trip, will you please start her on organic formula because it'll be easier on her stomach? And she let me know. Wednesday night, and she was leaving Friday, so it didn't give me enough time to get her the formula. And I sent her reports showing her that it was not good on a baby's belly to be switched that quick onto formula like that, and nobody would listen to me. CPS wouldn't listen to me. She wouldn't listen to me. And then now my daughter's gone They said that they were going to, after she passed away, they said that they would pay for everything, but they would have to notify my ex-husband. And at that time, I was in a confidential DV shelter, and he could not know where I was. So I couldn't take that cart. And then three days later, I started getting news that my ex-husband was coming out to Washington to claim Alyssa. So I called them, and I told them that I wanted to, use the card. I didn't care if they had to notify him. I was going to bury her in uh, Washington and not get her back to Colorado where my family was just so he couldn't take her from me. And they said no. They said they they weren't going to give me the card anymore because she was only in shelter care. She wasn't in in a dependency case. So they refused to pay for anything. And my attorney that I had even said that th- that there was a lot of wrongdoings, that there was lawsuits here, that she quit working for the dependency department because of my daughter's case.
0: So you're, you you um, are in need of donations now, aren't you, Shabon?
2: I badly. I have to. I have to get her a second exam. She did not pass away from SIDS. I know she did not pass away from SIDS. There's a big eight-hour gap of not knowing what happened. She needs another exam done. And I have to get her to Colorado where my family is because that's where I want to be. I lost my mom 10 days after my daughter died. And I still have my dad and I haven't known him that long. And I need to be there with my family. And I want to bury my mom with my Alyssa, my my daughter. She got cremated, so I want to bury her with Alyssa. I have um, a cemetery that donated a plot for her. So I have to come up with the funds for the funeral home here for all the permits and to send her out to Colorado and the feed to dig her spot. And then, I, I think that's so, it. Yeah. oh, and her funeral. The rest of her funeral. I, 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 I need quite a bit. I was left with nothing. I, I just, I don't have. So, nothing.
0: if people that are listening now want to donate, how do they donate? Um.
2: Alyssa has a page. It's Never Forget Alyssa Farrell on Facebook. I have a GoFundMe set up um, for her funeral costs. I have it set low because I was getting attacked nonstop. So it's set low, but I need more than what's there.
0: Well, I'm I'm, I'm trying to organize something, as you know, and hopefully it'll be through within the next week. And um, hopefully that will help it's just time.
2: i would appreciate anything anybody can help with i she's this, she's been sitting at the funeral home for 3 months now and the longer she sits there the more evidence is going to be gone there's so much to this her case it she i have to i have to do this for her i have to get justice for her mm-hmm.
1: It'll come, but it's going to be a long road, unfortunately. You know, I mean, just as in these cases, and I heard you say that, you know, the news hasn't gotten a hold of it or anything. And, you know, I mean, I I don't know what their purpose is. I know, you know, in Canada, they say that, you know, once a kid, you know, loses his life in foster care, then, you know, they still got to protect the identity of the child to keep the child safe, which makes no sense, but... I'm not sure. yeah, they I not like, keep I mean,
2: waiting for the they all keep waiting for the medical exam to come out right and they told me it was going to be eight to ten weeks and it hasn't it's been a, almost 12 weeks now. there was a baby that died in care here in Ellensburg Washington and they had the exam back within a week and they know that it's smaller here but to me, Those cases should be priority. They should. It's a baby. That dies in foster care with an eight-hour gap.
1: I don't know. It's always hard to know what to say in these kind of things.
2: Yeah, I sit every day and go through different scenarios in my head over and over on what happened. I just don't understand that she was so healthy. That She was healthy. I was watching some of her videos I had of her last night and I remember I heard in one of the videos that I was saying something about her being lighter than what she was when I seen her. And she had a really bad cough when I seen her the last time. I just I keep going over and over and over in my head. I have to spend time with Corey because if I am by myself, I I drive myself crazy. Just what,
0: I, it, what I usually, because I've spoken to a lot of parents now that whose parent whose kids have died and, and as well as my own, and it's hard not to blame yourself, even though there's no way you could do anything, but you sort of got to concentrate, find some positives, you know, like the time you had together and, and concentrate on that. Otherwise, you send yourself in a downward spiral.
2: Yeah, and I'm trying hard not to do that.
0: All right. Well, we'll we might leave it at that. And um, we'll post a link to the GoFundMe page with the um, podcast.
2: Yes, please. Thanks Thank for sharing
0: you. your story, Siobhan.
2: Thank you.
0: And thanks for being on this podcast with me, your awesomeness. Okay. Thanks for having me. We'll have to
1: do it again real soon. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Okay, bye. i talk to you next time.
1: Yeah, I'm really sorry to thanks, hear your sir. story. I-